when you think about God's love, it, it's so profound and so deep as we just finished singing about that it's impossible, it's impossible in just a moment or two to, to discover the depth of that love. And so that's why we're taking time to go through and to understand it a little bit better, to comprehend it a little bit more. Because the more you understand God's love for you, really the more you're able to respond to that love. If you don't think much of His love, you won't have much of a response. But if it really overwhelms you, if you just are just blown away every day and amazed, the more you understand it, the more you, you're able to appreciate it and value it. And so again, this morning, we want to talk about how he loves us purposefully by making six amazing choices. Now, I know that some people would be really technical and say, wait a minute, Bob, you're talking about how Jesus loves us personally and purposefully, and, and now you're going to take us to Isaiah 43 where it talks about God and you've mentioned the Father and so on. Let me just, let me just make one thing really, really clear. We have one God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about Jesus loving me purposefully, we're talking about God loving me purposefully. We're talking about the Father loving me purposefully. We're talking about the Spirit loving me purposefully. So if, if, you, if you really want to parse that out, uh, and if you want to split such an incredible hair, go ahead. <laughs> really, if you want to, you can. But you're going to miss out on so much if you would just if you just recognize that we're talking about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit loves you purposefully. Purposefully, there are six things that you see in Isaiah chapter 43, verses one to four, that are clearly choices that God makes. It says, "The Lord who created you says, Do not be afraid. I will save you." I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. The hard trials that come will not hurt you, for I am the Lord your God. I will give up the whole I will give up whole nations to save your life because you are precious to me. I love you and give you honor. Six things six things and you'll probably hear these expounded on or expanded on whatever the case may be a little bit later as we as we learn and continue to find things out together but this morning I just want to run through these and then I want to camp on one in particular today because I I think that there's too much there's too much uh, depth and treasure here to just run through it and move on. So you'll probably hear some of this in a little bit, a little bit different and deeper way. 
as we move forward. But let me just mention these to you. Number one, He calls me. He calls me. Calls you by name. You're not, you're not just part of a mass of humanity. You are very important. And he calls you by name. I have called you by name, he says. Number two, he adopts me. He adopts me. And you can see in the New Testament, if we took the time this morning, that both of these are also true. He says, you are mine. You are mine. We're going to skip number three and come back to it in a minute. But number four, he saves me. He saves me. He says, I will save your life. I will save your life. Number five, he values me. He values me. He says, you are precious to me. You are precious to me. Number six, he honors me. He honors me. He says, I give you honor. Now, before we come back to number three that we passed, let me just mention to you that the reason this is so crucial and these truths are so important for us is because they reflect, they reflect a choice and a series of choices that, that God makes regarding you regarding you. Specifically, he's talking here about Israel, the nation of Israel. But there is a biblical principle that's very, very important, and that is that it may not be about you, but it's for you. The specific truths here refer to Israel, but we also know from the scriptures in the New Testament and elsewhere that it is a fact. Every single one of these are a fact that God loves you and has called you by name. He has adopted you as his child. He will save you. You are precious to him. He values you, values you and you are honored by him. Honored by him. You know, the word honor is an amazing and kind of uh, <laughs> apropos word this morning. Honor is that thing that happens when you see something that just blows your mind and your mouth drops. You know, for the first time, people who see the Grand Canyon, what do they do? They just go like this. It blows their mind and their mouth drops. It's the same thing when, when someone is... is asked to marry someone and they pull out the rock. You know, and the, the gal is looking at the situation and she sees the rock and she goes, ah, oh, wow. And at that moment, it doesn't matter if it's big or small, but you understand. It's, it's one of those awe-inspiring moments. Well, the word honor means to produce that kind of a reaction or response. And God, God's jaw drops when he sees you. 
He honors you. When I look in the mirror, I say, why? Why? What is there to honor? What is there that that would make him choose to love me so? But the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that God sees me and he just goes, ah, you are precious to me. But the one that we want to talk about for a little bit together today is the, the one that's number three on your outline, and that is that he accompanies me. He accompanies me. And we don't have time, we don't have the time this morning to develop this as much as I want to, so we'll do it later. But what I want you to understand is that he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. He's talking to Israel, and we know that in the Old Testament that God was with his people. He was with them. In fact, when he told Joshua, he said, I will be with you. Nothing, nothing will come against you. I will be with you. He said, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. In the Old Testament, you have repeated declarations of God being with his people. And then you fast forward into the New Testament and Jesus who comes and lives amongst us and he gives his life as a sacrifice on the cross. And after his glorious resurrection, he, he gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit And it's no longer, I'm just going to be with you. But the with you now encompasses permanent indwelling. In fact, in John 16, he clearly says, he says, I will be in you and you will be in me and we will be in the Father and the Father will be in us. I mean, we, we are not just privileged to have God accompany us and hang out with us side by side He is in every one of us who have embraced His amazing love. But He accompanies us. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. You and I have choices that we make all the time about who we're going to hang out with. We hang out with people that we like. Rarely do you make appointments and dinner engagements to hang out with people that you don't like. I mean, when was the last time you got all excited about inviting your enemy over for dinner? My point is very simple. You and I are so valuable, you and I are so precious, you and I are so loved that God wants to hang out with us. God wants to be with you every single day, 24-7 of your life. He wants to be with you. Again, as I said a moment ago, when I, when I think about my own life, I, I really have to say, why? There's a whole lot of other people that I could think of that God would want to hang out with other than me. Same thing is true on a human scale when I think about 
the incredible blessing that I've, that I've had with Ruth and the fact that she likes to hang out with me. I mean, that's just really nice. It's really nice. But can you imagine if she didn't want to hang out with me, it'd be kind of an awkward marriage, you know? Maybe you've seen a few of those. Haven't you seen people and you looked at them and you'd say, what on earth does that person see in that person that makes that person want to spend their life with that one? I mean, it just, it's like, why? What is it? The fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, it comes down to a subjective choice. It really does. I mean, we choose to hang out with people And often we choose to hang out with them in spite of them. If you were to make a list of all the reasons why, for example, Ruth and I got together and decided to hang out for a lifetime, you know, you could really sit down and and try to parse it all out. But the fact of the matter is that there's some real strange reasons. (laughs) That some of them you can't explain. And there's reasons why... I'm sure, I'm sure there's reasons why you would think that's not going to work. I don't know how many times we've had comments like that, and, and you know people like that as well. They look at a relationship and they say, well, that's doomed right there. <laughs> the, craziest, the crazy thing, and I'm getting just a slightly sidetracked, but the crazy thing is that so many of the relationships that people look at and say, that's it, it's doomed, are the ones that flourish. And the ones that people think, oh, that one's going to really work really well, uh, not so much sometimes. My distraction will bring me back to reality, which is this. This is the key thing that I want you to grasp. God has made a choice. He's made a significant choice. And the choice has nothing to do with your qualities or your goodness or your abilities. It has nothing to do with whether or not you make it to the mark of a 10 or if you're able to do this or able to do that. God has chosen you, period. Period. And to me, it is an amazing thing. Driven by His love, He chooses me. He chooses me and He wants to hang out with me. You'll notice in the passage in in Isaiah, He specifically identifies some things that are obviously going to be some challenges in life. Because Isaiah 43, He makes the comment, He says, When... When you pass through deep waters. When you pass through the fire. When you face troubles. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. He loves us on purpose. Obviously, you can see the references, can't you? When you walk through the water, Moses and Exodus chapter 14 and the crossing of the Red Sea. And the people, they thought Moses kind of planned this out to destroy them. And they were really, really disturbed that Moses would bring them to this place 
where they had the Red Sea and they had the armies of Pharaoh and they had nowhere to go. They were boxed in. When you walk through deep waters, when you're boxed in, God says, I will be there with you. When you have nowhere to go, you have nowhere to turn, when there's an absolute no possibility of a solution from a human perspective, he says, I'll be there. I'll be with you. I will make a way where there is no other way. So what did God do? Part of the Red Sea. And before he parted the Red Sea, all the cynics and all the doubters and all the people that were saying, where's God now? See, if you look at the, if you look at the box you're in and not the God of the box, it will be very frustrating, very discouraging. And when you think about your life and your relationship with God, you really will begin to wonder, does he really love me? Look where he brought me. No, that's the wrong way of looking at it, folks. It's not, it's not look where he brought me, does he really love me? It's he loves me so much he wants to show me something really awesome. So he brought me to a box where he's the only one who can make the way. <laughs> we tend to look at things from such finite perspectives. Or remember passing through the river, Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And we go through these troubles. You pass through the river, he says, um, the troubles will not overwhelm you. Troubles will not overwhelm you. And then finally, when you walk through the fire, of course, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, 1925, talking about how these three individuals were placed in the fiery furnace and then there was one who accompanied them. There was one that was with them. And what does he say? He says, when you go through deep waters, you're boxed in. When your troubles come, they will not overwhelm you. He says, when you pass through the fire, you'll not be burned. The hard trials that come will not hurt you. Why? Because you're so strong? Because you're so smart? Because you're so spiritual? No. Because he will be right there with you. Right there with you. So the key this morning that I want us to grasp when you think about God being with you and accompanying you is that I want you to remember that you're precious, you're valued, he loves you, and he will be with you. So the next time you find yourself in deep waters, the next time you find yourself facing trouble and trial, the next time you find yourself smelling that smoke smell of the singeing of the burning and the pain that may come with it, the next time you feel any of those things, I want you to quickly, quickly, quickly turn your attention toward the fact that, that he loves you and he is right there with you. Remember Paul put it another way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. He said, there's no temptation that, that hasn't overtaken you that's not common to man. Every one of us faces challenge and difficulty and trial and so on. 
But then he goes on to say that God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape so that you can go through it. That's the other thing we need to realize. He says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm not just going to throw you a lifeline. I'm not just going to buy you a ticket or somehow give you a way out. No, I am going to be with you in it. I'm going to go through it with you. I will be with you. So even when you feel alone, even when you think life is caving in on you, even when you think everything that's happening is is literally just going to destroy you and there seems to be no hope, remember, He loves you on purpose because He wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to hang out with you. Life is full of transitions, isn't it? Some of you are moving. Some of you are changing places. Some of you are facing new jobs. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have uh, an income stream that you feel pretty comfortable with. Don't get too comfortable. Some of you don't have an income stream and you're really uncomfortable. Some of you are fighting some real challenges with your health. Some of you, some of you look to tomorrow and wonder, wonder about it and you think, well, is there really, really going to be a better tomorrow? The one thing that I've concluded, especially in this last year, when it comes to a better tomorrow... There's always, there's always a better tomorrow, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what you're facing. Tomorrow is always brand new. Lamentations. Lamentations. The faithfulness of God is renewed every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. I mean, every day is an awesome opportunity to walk and hang out with a God who loves you on purpose, who will not leave you, who will not forsake you, who will make a way, who will walk through the thick and the thin with you. I love that, love that story about the guy who breaks into a house, you know, and he's planning to steal something, and there's a parrot there. <laughs> and the parrot says, Jesus, and I see you. And the thief looks at the parrot. The parrot says, Jesus, and I see you. And the thief is thinking, oh, stupid parrot. And the parrot says, Jesus, and I see you. And then the thief hears a growl. It's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the name of the dog. Next time the evil one comes in to steal your joy and ruin your life and mess you up, you just remind him, Jesus and I see you. (laughs) Next time you're in trouble, Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. The problem is that our response is often very different, very different. And what we need to do this morning is to just recalibrate our thinking. We need to stop trying harder. We need to stop trying to figure out a way. We need to stop stressing and stop sweating. And we need to start turning to Jesus. Here's the normal response. Isn't it amazing that in, in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 4, and a few more verses after that, there's some powerful stuff. And then the normal response in um, Isaiah 43, 22 to 26 in your notes, listen to this. Uh, God says, yet you have not called on me. I called you. I adopted you, but you don't call me. You become tired of me. I want to hang out with you, but you're getting tired of me. You're getting bored. You have not honored me. I honored you. I value you. You're precious to me. And then instead you have put the weight of your sins on me. You've made me tired with your wrongdoing. I, even I, am the one who takes away your sins because of who I am. And I will not remember your sins. Then he says, make me remember. Let's, let's talk. Let's have a discussion. Talk to me about your situation. Talk to me about your problem. Talk to me about, about your issue. He says, make your cause known that you may be shown not to be guilty. See, th- look, at the, look at the response. The beginning of the chapter, we find God saying, I love you, I've called you, I have made you mine. I will be with you. I will save you. You are precious to me. And I honor you. And then, and then in the end there, you find the response. And God is saying, but you don't. You don't. So my question this morning is this. Why don't we? Why don't we? And I really want to boil it down by saying what I started out with this morning. We don't because we don't understand it. We don't pay attention to it. We don't have the same appreciation for the love that he has for us. For whatever reason. Whatever reason. I want to remind you again as we, as we kind of wrap this up. I want to remind you of, of Jesus' loving invitation to us. You know, Jesus in the book of Revelation in the churches. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says that Jesus is at the, at the door of the church. He's at the door of the believer's life. And that's not, a, that's not a statement indicating that he's not in the believer's life. He's talking about the fact that the relationship is such that he is not on the inside. He's not allowed to be a partner. He's not allowed to be all that he wants to be. And in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, he says, look. I've been standing at the door. I'm constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. You know, this, this, this is another one of those, those scriptures that has a, a double reference. The primary reference of this verse has to do with the church and with Christians. It's often used for unbelievers. We say, hey, Jesus is standing at the door of your, no- of your heart. He's knocking. If you'll open up, he'll come in and he'll hang out with you. Isn't that awesome? Fabulous. It's true. But the core of Revelation 3.20 is talking about believers. And what is, it, what is it telling us? It's telling us that we as believers, we as Christ followers, we as the church 
often, often, we'll receive all the benefits and all of the incredible privileges afforded us in the relationship we have Jesus without the fellowship, without the intimacy. And so from a pictorial perspective, Jesus is like outside. When you look at this and what what amazing choices he's made and what the normal response is, the invitation of Jesus is so significant here. Jesus is standing at the door. That is to say, he's waiting for you to invite him in so you can hang out. Ever been to a party where you weren't wanted? You ever felt like even though you weren't on the outside, you were? That's how Jesus feels most of the time. Maybe I shouldn't say that in such a broad sense. I believe that he feels that way a lot with me. I believe that Jesus feels that way a lot with me. I think there's a lot of times when Jesus literally is waiting for me. He's ready. He's hanging out. He has the answers. He's got the way. He's got the resources. He owns everything. But I'm too busy scurrying and running all over the place and trying to fix it and figure it out. And Jesus is, I can just, I don't know, it's probably not an appropriate illustration, but I can, I can just imag- imagine Jesus following me around saying, Bob, 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 hello, Bob, hello, Bob, Bob. But I'm so busy, focused on trying to fix it, focused on making it happen. And all the while, he's right there. He's right there. So the thing that I wanted to encourage you to do is Keep opening the door, figuratively speaking. Constantly hear him knocking. Constantly hear his voice calling. Constantly, as he is calling out to you in every situation, every day, every morning, every night, turn your attention back to the one who will not leave you. Turn your attention back to the one who has the power. Turn your attention back to the one who loves you so much he will save you. Turn your attention to the one who every time he sees you, thinks about you, his jaw drops. The God of heaven is just, just consumed by you. You're so valuable to him. And so is the case this morning. And so I want you to just respond as we sing this song together. Please respond. Let the Spirit of God just communicate to you and and enrich you. Remember, you're never alone, never alone. Father, we thank you this morning. We are amazed, truly amazed, that you would choose to love us the way you do. And we want to say thank you. Lord, just impress on our hearts this morning. Help us to hear you calling. Help us to hear you knocking. Lord, some in this room here are facing deep waters. Some hearing these words are facing deep waters. Oh God, oh God, may they hear you knocking. May they hear you calling. Lord, may they know that Jesus is able. Jesus is able. 
Some are going through some real troubled waters. You will not leave them. Others are going through fire, but they'll not be burned. You're right there in the midst of that fire. Lord, help us, help us this morning to hear your knock and your call to turn to you, to respond to you. For, Father, may it, may it be the joy of our heart today to see the expression on your face of your amazing love for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand together and sing.